This is They Reminisce Over You. I'm Miguel. And I'm Christina. We wanted to take a minute to make a small request of all our listeners. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or Podchaser, leave us a five-star rating. You can also leave a review as well on Apple, Good Pods, and Podchaser. Ratings and reviews will help us with discoverability, and we want to get this out to as many like-minded folks as we can. We want to get on the first page of these podcast apps. And to move up on the charts as well. So help us get the word out. Make sure to follow and interact with us on social media. We're at Troy Podcast on the gram and the bird. Also, check out our website, TroyPodcast.com. It's where we post links to a lot of the things that we mentioned in the show, as well as transcripts and themed playlists that supplement our episodes and more. Thank you again for your support. You ready to get into the show? Let's do it. Welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. We're back from a small hiatus. Yeah, we had to go do some stuff. Do some stuff, but in case you didn't know, I'm Christina. And I'm Miguel. This episode, we're going to be talking about the debut film from directors Alan and Albert Hughes, Menace to Society. It was released May 26, 1993, so that means one week from today, we're looking at the 30th anniversary of the debut of this film. See, that math ain't mathing. I mean, it is, but it doesn't (laughs) feel like 30 years. It feels more like 20. It doesn't. I was just about to graduate high school, so I was probably going to two classes a day and hanging out in the gym for the rest of the days because <laughs> I already had enough credits to graduate. And you were probably what seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, at this point? that sounds about right. Should be eighth. So, or as we say in Canada, grade eight. Grade eight. <laughs> so, thirty years. We're going to talk about Menace to Society, one of our favorite films. So, you just want to get into it? Let's do it. Wake your punk ass up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you just want to start it. Yeah. A little MC8 action. <laughs> so we spoke about this multiple times. Mm-hmm. And this came out at a point in time where black culture and entertainment was starting to gain a lot of ground in a big way. Mm-hmm. So you had like the Cosby show, Oprah, BET was starting to blow up. Michael Jackson was the biggest not even artists in the world, but person in the world. <laughs> yeah. Sports figures like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is starting to become a major part of entertainment as well. And it seemed like studio execs were like, you know what? Maybe we can tell these stories that black people have been asking us for. Yes. Rather than giving us these white savior stories like Webster or different strokes <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, like many of these TV shows or movies, you had to incorporate white characters because the thought was if it was an all black cast, the quote unquote general public wouldn't be interested or couldn't relate. Yeah. So those factors is what led to two 20 year olds and a 23 year old screenwriter getting a chance to make this movie. And what a movie it was. What a movie it was. (laughs) (laughs) There were other movies, quote unquote, hood movies. That were out around this time. So you had New Jack City, mm-hmm. straight out of Brooklyn, South Central, and South Central, the TV show as well. Mm-hmm. Juice, but most famously, Boys in the Hood. That yes. was the big one. That was, yes, the biggest one in the like highest grossing one at yeah, the time. Yeah, it was the highest grossing at the time. 
Um, it's slightly different than this one because yeah. to me at least, mm-hmm. and I'll let you give your opinion in mm-hmm. a second, the difference between that film and this one for me is this one you had nobody to root for. <laughs> <laughs> like Not at least, Ronnie. <laughs> okay, well, Ronnie, she's probably the only character that you're rooting Sharif? for. Sharif? Yeah. The side, you know, they were side-ish characters. Yeah, Sharif really wasn't involved enough <laughs> for us to make like a caring part of our feelings for him. Right. Ronnie, I'll give you that one. Okay. But like with Boys in Hood, you had Ricky. He was about right. to get his scholarship mm-hmm. to USC. He was going to be this big time football star. And he was pop, pop in the alley because he ran in a straight line and didn't zigzag. <laughs> That's another story. For Even though another he's day. a football player. Yeah. But for this one, I feel that there's nobody to root for in this movie. I think on on first glance or when you think of movies around this time, we tend to kind of put Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society in the same category, myself included. I didn't really think about the differences that much until literally today. Uh, I was watching an interview with Alan Hughes on The Breakfast Club, and he was saying that he was actually not inspired by Boys in the Hood at all because he thought it was a little more positive. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, positive? But Ricky died. (laughs) But then I thought about it and he was talking about it a little bit more. He said he was actually inspired by um, American Me with Edward James Olmos, this Mexican mafia movie. He said he actually wanted to be a little more gritty. And now that I think about it, I'm like, it's true because as you're saying, you're rooting for Ricky. And it's kind of a story about these kids like, quote unquote, want to get out of the hood or they want to like improve their lives. Whereas Menace, I mean, by the end, Kane kind of wanted, like, even then he was like, what's the difference with going to Atlanta, Yeah, he right? was still hesitant. Yeah. And O-Dog was O-Dog. <laughs> I mean, Stacy was leaving because he had a football scholarship, right. but it wasn't as like, a, I guess there wasn't really a message of like, increase the peace yeah. like they did at the end of Boys right. in the Hood, right? It was just like, all right, this is- This is what's going on. Yeah. This is what's going on. And this isn't meant to be some kind of heartwarming story. Like, this is just how it is for some right. folks. Because it had similar themes. Like you yeah. said, Stacy was going to college with his football yeah. scholarship. And in Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. practically all of them were going to college. So right. Trey, mm-hmm. Ricky, Nia Long's character, whose yes, name I can't remember. Name too. <laughs> like Doughboy and his friends were the only ones who weren't. Yeah. And they were trying to push Ricky towards that. Yeah. Whereas with this movie, mm-hmm. Stacy's the only one who is. And everybody else is just kind of stuck in the projects because yeah. even even doughboy's character even though he was wasn't going to college or anything he kind of knew that ricky had to go right and he felt bad about well obviously his brother getting killed but he felt bad at the situation and even though he and his friends engaged in violence it was it felt more necessary for them whereas like oh dog is like i don't give a fuck right. <laughs> he's just a tasmanian devil basically yeah like it wasn't necessary (laughs) and you see that from literally the opening frame of the movie right like it's a black screen and you hear o-dog and kane talking as they're walking into the Mm -hmm. store Mm -hmm. you see the new line cinema Mm -hmm. logo pop up on the screen they're yelling at somebody who's asking for change out (laughs) front and then you're right in the middle of the action like the most pivotal scene that happens in the movie is at the very beginning yep which Sets the tone for the rest of the summer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, yes, they were being racially profiled. Yeah. So they were 
rightfully upset. However, again, it wasn't justified. It was, what they did no, wasn't just well. That, what O Dog did. What O Dog did was not justified, and that's where you're like, oh, this is different. Yeah, because is- Kane was <laughs> trying to diffuse the situation on both sides. Yeah, he was just trying to pay for the stuff. And go. They get out of there. Leave these store owners alone. They don't have to get yelled at anymore. And then old boy had to say, I, I feel, feel sorry, sorry for, for your, your mother. mother. <laughs> <laughs> he had to make that one slick ass comment. And it was a wrap. Yeah. And that was the excuse that old dog needed. Yeah. It could have been anything. It could have been. But that was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah. Because when they were in there, he said that every time he comes in there, they treat him like that. Right. So it was new. Yeah, it wasn't new. So he didn't have to do this. Yeah. But as soon as you brought his mother into it, that's when he snapped. Yeah. And that's basically what the entire movie is about. The perception of disrespect, whether it was purposely disrespectful or Mm -hmm. just a passing comment, because Mm -hmm. you see when Kane is a kid, same thing happens with his father at the card game. Right. He didn't have to kill this guy, but. He did it because he felt disrespected. Exactly. But now his house is bloody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he was concerned about getting blood out of the carpet. Okay, so now what are you going to (laughs) do? He had somebody come in and clean the shit up. Now you have to dispose of this body. Your wife has (laughs) puked all over the place. You got this dead man. (laughs) Party's over. With witnesses. With witnesses. (laughs) Many witnesses. Yeah. Including his young child. He was not concerned about what was going to (laughs) happen with him shooting this man dead at this table. Meanwhile, baby Kane is still young enough to be wearing pajamas with the footies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that this movie, they tried to give a fuller picture, I guess, of how did we get here? Rather than like, okay, this is the hood and there are a lot of people trying to get out right. and be better and increase the peace. This was just like, <laughs> there's some problems going on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we just want to show you. <laughs> these are the reasons for it and make your we're own We're not decisions. saying it's justified, yeah. but we're saying there are reasons why it is the way it is. And also, I mean, they tied in the Watts riots of the 60s yeah. and saying like, this has been happening. Right. And here we are. These are the results of the decisions. Right. Like 30 years later. Now we got more riots. Although I think this was filmed before the 90. No, this was filmed after. After. okay, Yeah. Because that was 92. This came out in 93. Okay, because I wasn't sure if it was filmed before because I knew it came out after because I read a bunch of stuff and watched a bunch of interviews. I think Alan or one of the brothers said that they asked them to try to incorporate some of the the Rodney King stuff or the yeah red stuff but that's right I did see that where they wanted so maybe they were filming like around the same time yeah because they did want him to add or them to add Mm -hmm. that kind of content to say ooh, this is the reason that this Mm -hmm. is going on is because of the Rodney King stuff and they're like no it's been happening another little tidbit I saw on the IMDB trivia and I don't know how true this trivia is because it's unverified. Like there's no footnotes or anything. It seems believable. Yeah. But the first scene with the the robbery that apparently they were supposed to cut to Kane looking over and seeing their child playing with the toy. But the the child actor was so engrossed in playing with the toy (laughs) (laughs) that they end up cutting the scene. Yeah. I can see that, though. I can see that him looking down at a kid and thinking about him seeing a shooting as a right. kid and just tying all that stuff. And together. now he's like, now I'm a part of this right. for some other kid's life. Too. Exactly. 
So as a 14 year old Mm -hmm. in Abbotsford, British Columbia. (laughs) Now, first of all, did you see it when it came out or was it a little bit later? Because I don't want to pin you down as a 14 year old if you saw it at 16. I definitely saw it not in the theater, but should have been close to the time it came out. Because a lot of these movies weren't showing in the movie theaters in my town. Right. So I'm going to say this likely didn't show. Um, yeah, I don't think this one yeah, would have made it to Abbotsford. No. I've but, been to Abbotsford. I don't think that's a medicine <laughs> society town in 1993. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been to the Abbotsford of now. Right. Which is different from the Abbotsford of 1993. Yes. However, you know, I had access to some, some bootleg stuff. Okay. And I've realized all this time. I've been watching the director's cut, which is more violent. (laughs) That is funny. So I don't know exactly when I watch it, but it should have been pretty, pretty close to the release date. So I was definitely, you know, 14, 15. And I can't say that I think that much different of it now. I think just as an adult, I process it differently. Okay. Just like um, when we were watching the OJ documentary and they were talking about the Rodney King beating and how I was saying I didn't remember the video being as brutal as it was mm-hmm. uh, from my memory as a kid. And I think that's kind of how I feel about the movie now is that I didn't realize a, I mean, I knew they were young because like Kane had just finished high school right. and O-Dog is younger than him. We don't know exactly how old he is, but we just know he's a little younger. I read an article from the screenwriter, mm-hmm. Tiger Williams, and he said that O-Dog was supposed to be about 15. Yeah, I saw that too. But in the movie, they don't, they Make never it clear. They just say, say he's it. a minor. Yeah. So we know he's a little bit younger. So again, we talk about this all the time too. When we're about the same age, obviously we don't realize how young they are because they're sort of the same age yeah. as us. So I think now things like that as an adult, it's like, damn, these are supposed to be like children. Basically, <laughs> right. like this is supposed to be, you know, summer vacation from school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, what a summer it was. Oh, what a summer it was. And so I think. Just processing the themes as an adult feels a little different than when you're watching it as a kid. But I don't think I have any different feelings about the movie, if that makes any sense. It does. (laughs) It does. For me, I was a little bit older than you. And also, I see it every day because I'm from Los Angeles. So I know, well, I obviously don't know these specific characters. (laughs) But I know of a cane or an old dog because I went to school with these people. Mm -hmm. I saw them in my neighborhood. So it was realistic in that sense. And looking at it as a 17 year old who is about to leave high school the same way Kane was, Mm -hmm. it made a lot of sense. Did you feel like, I don't know if this makes it, I feel seen. (laughs) Like, did you feel, (laughs) because you know of these people, you weren't necessarily involved in some of these things. Did you feel... Like, did it feel good, even though it was not necessarily a positive story? But it- I wouldn't say it felt good, mm-hmm. but it was good to have another vehicle on the scene to say black people are on TV or black right. people are in movies mm-hmm. and it's just not kindergarten cop right? or <laughs> Terminator film. It was yeah. something that was like, hey, black people exist. Yeah. And we have stories as well, mm-hmm. even though this is a very violent story. But like I said, I could relate to it because I, quote unquote, knew these people. Well, I think that they did a good job of humanizing the characters or just showing how good and bad isn't. You don't have to be either or. 
Like, even though we were saying how you don't really have characters to root for, you I mean, you kind of do. Like, as much as Kane did, I wanted him to leave and go to Atlanta yeah. with Ronnie. Yeah, I, I get that part. Mm-hmm. But but what I meant was, mm-hmm. and this is going to lead into my next question, okay. is he wasn't a good person, but he was trying to change and right. become a better person. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that he was a particularly good person. I didn't think he would change once he got to Atlanta, though. I was just right. hoping that he might be able to yeah, change. Yeah, because you could see he wasn't really committed <laughs> right. to changing because you had Sharice's dad talking to him about mm-hmm. moving to Kansas. He wasn't trying to hear that shit. And he still had that temper. Yeah. Ronnie was trying to get him to move to Atlanta. He didn't want to hear none of that, even though he would have had a fantastic time in Atlanta as a dude from Los Angeles moving <laughs> to Atlanta in 1993. Oh, man, that would have been amazing for him. Okay. He would have left Ronnie <laughs> as soon as they got there. <laughs> but like I was saying, I didn't think he was a very good person to begin with. Right. He is framed as what you think a good person should be mm. just based on him being a little kid and watching his dad kill somebody and being 17 years old, 18 years old and seeing his friend kill the people at the store. He didn't do the killings. But he was placed in that situation and it didn't seem fair. But at the same time, he's out jacking cars. Right. He's selling crack. He's selling crack and weed. He's getting revenge on his cousin Harold getting killed. And Elena's cousin whooped his ass. Yeah. So (laughs) he pistol whipped Chauncey. Oh, yes. He pistol whipped Chauncey. (laughs) All he had to do was like. All right, Chauncey, cool it. Right. Nope. There's a lot of things that he did that weren't particularly good, right. even though he's supposed to be the guy that you root for. Yeah. I think they wanted to show that it was still in him, though, because he took help to take care of Ronnie's son. Right. And even O-Dog, too, when they are around his grandparents and Sharif's dad, they were just like, oh, hello, sir. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they, they're they suddenly, all polite. Yeah, they're all polite. They try not to curse. Yeah. They're hiding the weed. Mm-hmm. So there's still, I think that kind of shows that there's still like maybe something in them. Yeah, they, they have humanity. Mm-hmm. They're not just complete monsters. Yeah, they care about their friends. They yeah. may not care about their enemies yeah they don't they care about care the other side friends. but they care about their <laughs> deeply people. about their friends because at the end like o-dog's basically crying he's so choked up and shocked that like stacy's like go and get help and he's just standing there like right ah. <laughs> and that just shows how young he is too. right because he's literally a child yeah there's something i wanted to say this is completely off topic but just when you were bringing up Kane doing the carjacking, I don't know if you noticed this. I think I may have said this to you when we watched it last. But the guy that he's robbing, he looks like the adult version of Ronnie's child. <laughs> <laughs> they got like That's the funny. same haircut. Yeah. And they're kind of like the same tone. And <laughs> it makes me chuckle every time. I'm like, Parnell is not that child's daddy. It's this guy. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's just all those things that make me say that even though Kane is supposed to be the one we root for, he's just an asshole. (laughs) He's an asshole. He has multiple opportunities not to do the things that he does, but Mm -hmm. he still chooses to do them. They show you like the backstory of his life as well as just the Watts rides from the 60s. So they show a backstory of like how the city came to be as well as his own family. So they kind of give you an idea of like, maybe he could have been different under different circumstances. However, not everyone who grew up that way turned out that way. Right. Because, you know, Stacy doesn't do any of that. Ronnie, even though she was involved with Parnell, as far as we know, she didn't do any 
of that. And now she's like a responsible mom. Yeah, and something happened with Sharif to make him turn his life around. So we see that, yes, while there are reasons why certain folks end up this way, there's also people who don't have to go this way. Because um, that L.A. Times article that you sent me that did a review of the movie They said that Ronnie's character was unbelievable because she was too angelic, too nice, too perfect. (laughs) And I was like, but he said to her, you act like you wasn't down. And she's like, I have a child now. Right. So she's not we we have a glimpse that maybe she's not perfect, but she's trying to be better now. And that's kind of like I was talking about Mm -hmm. with movie execs specifically white movie execs and Mm -hmm. TV execs around that time is they have this preconceived notion of what they think black people are like. Right. And if you don't fit what they think it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not believable. Ah, Here's the quote. A bigger problem is the way the filmmakers sentimentalize Kane's struggle by working in a girlfriend, Ronnie, who pleads with him to go with her and her young son to Atlanta to start over. She's so angelic that she's unbelievable. I believe her character. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, I knew the Canes and the old dogs. I knew the Ronnies too. Yeah. And like, so why couldn't that be believable? And that's just because white people don't know us. And she literally said, I have a son now. Yeah. So, I mean, if that doesn't try to make you, be better like she has no girlfriends throughout this movie all her friends <laughs> yes, are these guys these guys so you're gonna tell me <laughs> that maybe she hasn't done a little dirt i'm not gonna she, say she's done any done. drive-bys she, yes but, but she knows people who do them <laughs> she obviously knows the people <laughs> she who does do them. parnell's in jail yeah that her baby daddy's in jail and he was basically running the set Right. And her new boyfriend is Kane. Yeah. His protege. So yeah, his protege. And she knows he ain't squeaky clean. She's friends with O-Dog. Chauncey. <laughs> Chauncey. All of these people are we her friends. We don't see her with no girlfriends. <laughs> like we see girls at the parties, but we haven't seen her hanging out with any girls. So. Right. Yeah. I think that's just an outsider's view thinking right. that they know what I know black people. Right. There's no way that there could be a nice girl who lives in this neighborhood. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so I think having characters like her and stuff too just shows that like, yeah, there's these guys who are involved in gangs and violence, whatever, but there are just regular people who just live here. Yeah. All right. So for the next question I have for you, mm-hmm. I think I know the answer to this question. Okay. Now, this movie has a whole lot of memorable scenes, a whole lot of lines that we've been reciting for 30 years already. (laughs) Yes. What is your favorite scene and why? Well, I have so many, but I'm just going to go with the one that I put down first. Okay. And you probably know. I know what it is. Be back here around 1030. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I knew that's what you were going to say. He can't beat the 1030. (laughs) (laughs) And then how he like widens his eyes as he says it like yes that white dude who was getting him to steal cars was probably racist but are you gonna tell me you're not gonna be scared as someone who says 10 30 with their <laughs> eyes wide open like that oh like, man even if you're not racist that's not a scary situation <laughs> <laughs> like you telling him to come back here so you can do this little business arrangement but you look at him like you're threatening him and you know he doesn't want to come back at 1030. He does not want to come back at 1030. And yet you insist on it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene was amazing. And it's one of mine. Mm-hmm. And because I knew you were going to choose it, <laughs> I couldn't choose it. You could. I could, but 
we got to, you know, add some variety to the show. Give some I, options. I have other ones. Okay. What else you got? When Ronnie slash Jada spanks her son for playing with the gun with Kane and she spanks him and you hear the kid just, you hear a thud. And that poor <laughs> kid got spanking for real because he fell down because you hear a thud and then you see him get up and scamper away. <laughs> I'm like, that poor kid. That well, just makes me laugh every time because she's like, get your tail out of here or something like that. You hear a little thud. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, for me, since you've chosen those two, obviously I have to choose Bill Duke when he's interrogating Kane. Well, yeah. So you drop the bottle at 1215. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1215. You know you're fucked up, right? Uh, yeah, you know yeah. you're fucked up. <laughs> I love that. Well, there's a lot of cheeseburger lines. Yeah. Because he, he, when he was jacking the car, he asked for a double cheeseburger. I said, with cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, let me get a double burger and some fries. He didn't ask for fries. He didn't. He, he was giving him some fries. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to make this a little more pleasant yeah, for him. Yeah, he's getting you some fries. And you're like, I said with cheese. <laughs> so there's that. And then there's, of course, when old dog. The crackhead. The crackhead. And he's like, y'all want some hamburgers? And then there was one more burger. Oh, when <laughs> the, the guys that killed Harold, they're arguing with the girl. Oh, when they were at the burger stand. Yeah, trying yeah. to get some burgers. And take your big earring ass and get us something to eat. <laughs> So they're just arguing with this girl over some cheeseburgers. And those were their last words. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is this movie should have been called Cheeseburgers to Society. Maybe. Because when I was like taking little notes, I'm like, why are there so many cheeseburger related <laughs> memorable scenes and lines? <laughs> That's funny. Or are they trying to say that? It's a food desert and all you can eat is cheeseburgers. <laughs> I don't know if they thought that deeply into it. I'm not cheeseburgers gonna, in 40s. I'm not going to say that this is what they were going for. Oh, that, but they did have some nice ribs at the picnic, though. So there is other food. Yes. <laughs> so what are your final thoughts on the movie? Um, Looking back at it after 30 years. I think it held up surprisingly well in terms of. It doesn't really feel like an old movie. Maybe some of the clothes, clothing choices and the, <laughs> the beepers, but it doesn't like it doesn't feel old. Right. It definitely doesn't feel 30 years old. And it's unfortunate that some of the themes have held up. <laughs> yeah. Like we shouldn't be dealing with a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie in 2023. Right. Because first of all, you have the 60s Watts riot. Which leads into like the 93 LA riots. And it's like at that time, it's like this shouldn't have happened 30 years later. Yeah. And now here we are 30 years later and the police brutality is still going on. And, you know, a lot of these other themes are still going on. And yeah. Yeah. For me, the only issue I have with looking back at the movie now, mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with the movie itself, but that's just how, how the style of films and acting was at the time the dialogue is a little stiff mm. and again that's just how it was in 1993 these people weren't the the greatest actors at the time because <laughs> this was like a lot of their first big roles right because this was jada's first movie lorenz's first movie tyron turner had done michael jordan's playground and <laughs> the janet jackson's rhythm nation mm. so they weren't having this long resume of stuff to work with anyway but I think if we were to redo the movie with the same cast today, it would be a lot better because they've all gotten better at their craft. I 
I think maybe that is one thing that's changed watching it as an adult versus a child is there are some scenes that do feel a little stiff. But overall, I don't think it was... I don't think it's like enough for me to be like, ooh, this was a bad movie. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> you know gonna say I mean? it was yeah. bad. But there's definitely some scenes where um like the part where Kane is getting the girl's number, uh, Elena's number, and they're yelling at him from the park to like leave her alone and blah blah blah. And he's like he's telling them to stop. Right. And he's pointing at the piece of paper in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm getting her number. And I'm like, that doesn't feel totally believable. <laughs> he's doing this right in front of the girls. Right. <laughs> Just little small things like that. Where it's like that felt a little stiff, but I mean, it's not enough for me to like cringe watching. Yeah. This, like, oh, damn, this is a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Going back and thinking about watching it in 93, I would give it seven and a half, eight out of 10. Uh-huh. If it were to come out exactly as it was in 2023, <laughs> I'd give it a six. Really? Just, like I said, because the acting was a little bit stiff, the dialogue was a little bit stiff, but it was for that time. Mm hmm. I would give it a six if that exact same movie came out in 2023. But if the movie was remade in 2023, I would give it a nine because like I said before, those <laughs> actors are a lot better right. and it would have come off a lot better. It probably would be the greatest movie of all time if they were to remake it today with the same cast. See, now but they can't make it. This, yeah. Cause they're old now. So like Lorenz is definitely not a 15, 16 year old. Anymore. He isn't. <laughs> But at this point, he could be the triple OG. But knowing O-Dog as he is, O-Dog was dead within the next year. Dead or 25 to life. Of this movie happening. <laughs> so I don't see a long life for O-Dog. So yeah. there can't uh, be a menace to society part two. Well, Alan Hughes said that there was a time when I guess like the studio wanted a follow up to see O-Dog coming out of jail. Okay. And they had they had entertained it for a bit, but it just didn't happen. Nah, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say what I would rate it because I think we, when you just discover these things in your teens and stuff, you just love it so much that yeah. it's just good. Whether it's actually good or not, you just it's like 10 stars <laughs> <laughs> right? all around 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, the reason why I think it would be a much better film if it was done today is just looking at the stuff that. Hughes brothers have done and like Tiger Williams, he was one of the producers on Snowfall and one of the writers of the last two seasons of Snowfall. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it would have at least looked a lot better. Right. And just flowed a lot better. Cause again, this was their first film mm-hmm. and they were just basically making this shit up as they went along. Right. So they would do a much better job at narrating the story or making the story move forward in a much easier right. flow. I think. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it would look a hell of a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right. So do you have any recommendations of stuff from the Hughes brothers, either working together or solo since they don't really work together (laughs) anymore? Yeah. That you want our listeners to check out? Well, I was looking at their IMDb. So there's some stuff that I haven't watched. So obviously I can't say. Okay. But Dear Mama which is the newest thing, but that is only Alan Hughes working on that because it has a really good way of telling kind of like Tupac's origin story (laughs) and weaving in obviously stuff about his mom. That's why it's called Dear Mama. And you really see how he became who he is because of his mom. Right. And I think that's an interesting angle that we don't, I don't think I've ever really seen. Like we, I knew that his mom was a big force in his life, but Usually when I see stuff about Tupac, it's just about 
him and all of this chaos of those <laughs> yes. last few years of his life. So I would recommend that. I remember watching the Book of Eli and liking it. Yeah, but I thought it was good. Yeah, so I think I recommend that and also recommend it to myself to okay. watch it again. And if you, you know, you just want something different to see their range. <laughs> and I really like Dead Presidents. We talked about that when we did the Lorenz Tate yeah. episode. So I think that's worth checking out if you haven't seen it in a while or, you know, if somehow you've never seen it. And it's if you good. haven't seen it, why haven't you seen it? <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I liked the defiant ones too. We do good with documentaries type stuff. Yeah. I'm going to throw a couple out there as okay. well. The good Lord bird, mm. which came out two years ago, three years ago, maybe something like that. Albert did that one. Okay. He was the executive producer on that and did a couple episodes as well. Mm -hmm. So that one was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Something that's random as hell. Uh, <laughs> their third movie is called from hell. Okay. With Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't imagine that the guys who did Menace to Society <laughs> is doing a period piece about Jack the Ripper. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Reviews were kind of 50-50. It okay. was split, but I liked it. So I think people should check that out as well. Okay. You already said the Defiant ones. Mm -hmm. So if you like Dr. Dre and Jimmy Ivey, that one's for you. <laughs> And yeah, that's pretty much it. I would have loved to see the movies that the Hughes brothers were making when they were 12, when they just started, <laughs> you know, let's make movies. Right. Because in the Breakfast Club interview, he said they made one called Compton Vice, which okay. was mirrored like off of Miami, Miami Vice. Vice. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Um, you were supposed to stop asking me that. I was, but I decided to give it a <laughs> more shot. Look, and if you don't put it in the notes beforehand, then I usually don't. I, I just follow like the, the topic points. <laughs> so you basically like Ron Burgundy and just read anything off a teleprompter? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to try that and sneak it into some notes to see if you read exactly what's on. No, CC. I don't just read my notes. But if it's not in my notes, then I don't add extra stuff <laughs> necessarily. Right. I don't know. But no, I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> okay. So on that note, we can wrap this episode up discussing the 30th anniversary of Menace to Society. If you haven't seen it in a while, go check it out. It still holds up depending on the way you want to look at it. If you want to look at it in a 93 lens, it's a great movie. If you look at it in a 2023 lens, it's high, but it's not bad. It will still move you yes because well i won't ruin it just in case you haven't seen it in a while but just the way it ends we started laughing <laughs> i mean not because it was funny but you'll see how it just yeah. ends and yes the way it ends and rolls into the credits right. specifically so i'll just leave it at that <laughs> you actually did it at the top i mean i did it but episode. i didn't talk about it you specifically did. so i'll just leave it there <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you for coming back and listening to us. Check us out on social media at Troy Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, Twitter's still around, so you can hit us up there. Go to our website, TroyPodcast.com, where you can find transcripts, links to things that we spoke about in the episode. We'll have some videos and interviews up on there as well. If you want to buy some merch, go to tthang.com. That's T-E-E. T-H-A-N-G dot com. 
nothingbutateething.com. Buy yourself some merch. Uh, if you want to sign up for our monthly newsletter, the newsletter's going off. We got a whole bunch of subscribers, so you might want to jump on that so you won't like feel left out and shit. Yeah, you definitely should because, see, Miguel writes the newsletters. So I read them and I'm like, this is a good newsletter. See, so. <laughs> and I'm on. like, oh, wait, this is technically my newsletter, even though he writes it. <laughs> exactly. So go ahead and check that out. That's at Troy Podcast backslash newsletter or Troy Podcast slash newsletter because I never remember if it's back no, no, or no. forward. TroyPodcast.com Troy slash Pod- newsletter. <laughs> TroyPodcast.com slash newsletter. <laughs> and on that note, since I can't remember anything, <laughs> I think we should just get out of here and see you guys again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.